Welcome and welcome back to The Right Angle. This is lucky number episode 13. Lucky episode number 13. And uh, G-Man is going to tell us why. Why we are so lucky tonight. We are lucky to be alive in, in Biden's country of confusion. All right. That's what but we're more. so lucky about. That's, that's what uh, all things that have to do with 13 and bad luck and black cats and uh, flaming deaths all have to do with Biden. So, so I guess I was thinking more uh, personally why we're so lucky because we have Cece is on a special assignment again. We're not sure if he's flown to the West Coast or the left coast or I guess they're one in the same. But we have a special guest in our studio, which is virtual, but it's Stacy Eastwood. Stacy, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here. G-Man, do you want to start out or I've got a number of things. Some are questions and some are topics. How about you? Well, why don't you start this time? I'm always starting and I always wind up taking up too much time, of course, which you edit out. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we can... very, very judiciously. Yes, exactly. But you go uh, ahead and start this time. All right. Well, I'm going to start with a question and this this is probably not going to last long, but this is for both of you. When was the last time you backed into a parking space? Oh, goodness. Uh uh, you mean in a business or just backing up yeah. to the park? Backed into a space like at a mall or at a going out to eat or something. Today. A, really? Yes. Stacy, how about you? Um, I couldn't even tell you. I don't know if I've ever done that. <laughs> that I haven't been brave enough. That That is very interesting because I've heard that women do not back into parking spaces. So I have wow. a sample of one. Have you ever heard that, G-Man? <laughs> or have you ever seen a woman bark back into a parking never. space? Never. I have never seen one. One of my coworkers does every day. That's how she parks in our lot. All right. That's interesting. I, I don't know. I have no empirical. Does she identify as a woman? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Hmm. As far as I know. Right. So that that's not it. All right. <laughs> um, since that wasn't really a topic... Let me, I'm going to jump right to a kind of a, I don't know about heavy, but a serious and sincere one aimed at Stacy, but certainly uh, can be answered by the G-Man also. What would you say is the biggest mistake people who have just graduated from college make? There are a lot of them. All right. Maybe a <laughs> top three that come to your mind. I don't know. I think like an all encompassing thing might just be having unrealistic expectations of what life is going to be like after college. At least that was what it was like in my case. It's it's a lot harder than you think it's going to be a to find a job for some people like me B to move away from your friends and pretty much everything you've known. For the last four years, college is kind of like a alternate universe, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's very jarring to leave it so suddenly and have to adjust to a lot of times for most people, you know, working like eight to five and all the things that come along with what they say, adulting. We like to offer solutions when we can. What 
what can ease that? What can make it better, do you think? Something I didn't do enough, or I guess I should say wish I had done more of, was networking, um, which is kind of a tricky buzzword, I guess, because sometimes you just think of like networking events, but just making connections, like talking to people who do things that you're interested in doing, even if it's not exactly the path that you're headed down. But, you know, for example, with me, I was like, I'm going to be an event planner, but I was kind of interested in marketing too, because I took some classes in college that I really enjoyed. So I wish I had kind of explored that a little bit more. And, you know, nothing is set in stone, as my dad always says. So even if you talk to someone or look into an opportunity or whatever, at the end of the day, you don't have to say yes. It's just broadening your horizons and doing what you can to explore all your options. Do you think people are afraid sometimes to take a first job because it will sort of brand them and set them down the path that they don't think they want to go down? Yeah, totally. And I've fell into that a little bit too being afraid that I kind of pigeonholed myself into something I didn't even care about because I just sort of ended up there by accident, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, feeling like, oh, I've been doing it for X amount of time. And so now I'm just kind of stuck. And that, of course, is not actually the case at all. G-Man, I know you had a, a untraditional maybe a college experience, but what do you see for either young people or even, I mean, people of any age of, of similar or different mistakes that they make? Coming in to college or coming out? Coming out. Coming out of college. I, I think that what I see nowadays from what I hear, uh, they just aren't prepared for what real life is. It's almost like, to me, it's almost like college is a Montessori type of a situation for, you know, they're, I don't want to say that they're coddled, but they're told they can do all these great things and, and these wonderful things will happen. And uh, like Stacy said, that's, that's usually not the case. You have to make your own, your own breaks in life. And I, I think good majority of kids aren't ready for that when they get out of college. I don't think they're ready for what what is real life? I don't. I don't think they uh, know that they can be fired for things that they do wrong. I. I think they come out thinking that they're gonna instantly start making fifty grand a year, and which is probably the number. Yeah, that's one a thing. big one. Yeah, that's probably number one. I think in college, they need at least two terms of a course that's called life. And in that, you know, you do things like balance checkbooks, uh, you know, pretend you're going to buy a car or a house, uh, and maybe even uh, simulating working in a business and reacting to what other people say and do to you. I think that would be very, very important for kids in college now. Excellent. Do you think part of that unrealistic salary expectations is even more sort of pronounced because the typical person is so far in debt. They're like, well, geez, if I take a job for 35,000 a year, I'm never going to be able to pay back my student loans. Or is it, do you think that's part of it? Or do you think there's more to it than that? Did you have any uh, student loans, Stacy? Fortunately, I did not. Huh. 
What did you <laughs> What did you see in your peer group for people who did? Do you think that plays a part into the unrealistic salary expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think for some people it for sure does. There's the other percentage of people that are still holding out hope that their student loans will be forgiven. Oh gosh. <laughs> and that everything will actually become free, but I think the other part of it too is a sense of entitlement that has infected multiple parts of society, especially with uh, the younger generations and, you know, everything you're kind of exposed to and taught in college, which unfortunately has become more of what they say indoctrination camps. And then people leave and they're like, oh, well, this is what I am entitled to. And if you're not going to give it to me, then I'm just going to move on. That is pretty spot on. G-Man, any uh, additions to that? Well, I'm hoping and praying to the Lord all around us that uh, these kids do not get a free education because my Lamborghini uh, went to uh, a a college in my state here and um, it would have been parked in my garage otherwise. So, and by the way, don't have kids. (laughs) Oh, I think, I don't know where the concept or who thought of the idea of forgiving student loans. Is that, I mean, is that in the last 10 years when it's gotten more expensive? I just, there's just no rational reason other than raising people's false expectations, like Stacy said. It, I guess it's just another free handout and, and they hear it and it's like, wow, that's too good to be true. But but I, I guess that would work and I guess it makes sense and, and I hope it happens. It, it, where does anyone know where that came from? Somebody overdosed on stupid pills, <laughs> and it might have been Pelosi or Schumer or one of those. I feel like it probably would have started with Bernie Sanders. Well, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, he's a yeah. big socialist. And where does it go from there? Like you say, uh, they give you a free education, and they get out, and they see that they have spent a hundred thousand dollars on to get pretty much nothing when they get mm-hmm. out of there, and then. Where's that going to go? Is it, are they going to say, well, maybe I should really get a car. It can be used like a two-year-old car, but I should get a free car when I'm here. And then I do want my 50000 a year to start with. What's wrong with that? Why shouldn't everybody make 50000 a year? It's because you overdosed on stupid pills. <laughs> and, I mean, there's that whole living wage thing, which is, I guess, sort of like perpetual welfare or perpetual unemployment or something. But... Uh, it just it's just one of those things where you offer someone something that is totally unrealistic, but it sounds so good that I guess it's another way of buying votes or something, buying false loyalty. Seems accurate. The, the, the problem with that is, is though, is that you, they say that they may be buying votes with that, but eventually these people that you're buying the votes for are going to have to pay for their college education as soon as they get a job. Yeah. It's called taxes, and they're not going <laughs> to get out of it. They're going to have to eat some of that. So what are they going to do when their tax rate is 60%, 70%? I remember back when the Beatles were hot, and they asked me to record with them, that uh, mm. <laughs> it was an 80% tax rate in London when they were back then, which is why they made the song Taxman. Is that that's a true story? Well, everything except me, them asking me to record with them. 
Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. No, that is a true story. It was, I think it was 80% at the time they were in London, which is why they all became citizens of another country shortly after they became millionaires. And that's what happens when you actually do get money. People start to go, wait a minute, I don't want you to take any away from me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my other topics, which sort of folds right into this is the uh, unintended consequences that whether it's politicians or something say, well, we need $2 trillion. So if we raise taxes X amount on these people, we'll magically get it because that's how the math goes. But as you say, people will leave, people will find tax shelters, people will find alternate ways to earn their money. And there's just no way to know that. I don't know if you've seen Jurassic Park, there's that scene where they drop the water on the back of that woman's hand and it's like chaos theory where you think you know where it's going to go, but you just literally can never tell. And that's the same thing with a lot of these complex topics. Such as everything free that yep. they're giving away. I can't remember what the what the number of the bill was. I don't know if it was a 10 or a 50 or a $100 bill, but they said a trillion dollars, I think, if you stacked it in, in big you know, piles Mm -hmm. of it would fill a football stadium for $1 trillion. Uh, And I think it it was more than a $1 bill. And when you stop and you think about that, that's a lot of money. That is. Mm -hmm. You can appreciate a million and kind of wrap your head around it. And a billion is obviously a thousand times harder to wrap your head around. And a trillion (laughs) is a thousand times harder than that. So when you made your first million, Mo, were you worried that they were going to start taxing you 10 times what they would me when I make a tenth of what you do? Well, I was worried that the monopoly company was going to come and take the money away because <laughs> <laughs> that is unfortunately to date. We can ask Cece that when he's back. Oh, that's right. He's the millionaire. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, he's not here to defend himself. That's right. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Well, G-Man, what's on your mind? Well, I went and got my hair cut today from the barber. Was I think he was put in jail by our governor for cutting hair. Oh, excellent. A year ago. <laughs> and uh, I went up there specifically to talk to him about a few things. that I said, I'm, I do a podcast and, you know, just tell me a few things about what's going on. And uh-huh. He... Uh, Never stopped talking, as a matter of fact, which is, by the way, that's where I backed in today. Okay. In the parking spot because <laughs> I had to pull out onto a major highway. And so I backed in so that when I pulled out, I wouldn't die. Anyway, <laughs> I'm in the chair and he's talking to me and he says, he said, I said, tell me what, you know, witless, whoop, what that governor <laughs> X said out there, Mo. That woman from Michigan. That woman, oh, that woman from that state. <laughs> that uh, what she do to you? And he said, "Well, that somebody came in from her office and gave me a fine of fifteen hundred dollars for having a comb in my pocket, a comb in his vest pocket." He said they gave me a fifteen hundred dollar fine for having hair on the floor, and they gave me a six thousand dollar fine for cutting hair on the Capitol lawn. Oh, and, okay. And he so, was, okay. He, and he kept rambling on, and I want—I I, was—I said, wait a minute, yeah, I was to myself, I, I got to ask you this: 
So I forgot to ask him. So I started to pull out. Fortunately, I backed in. I backed up, went back in. I said, I said, hey, you, everyone will know who it is. I said, hey, Carl, well, you know, what, what was that all about? Why did they find you? He said, well, I had a comb in my pocket. And they said, you're supposed to sterilize the comb. And because you didn't, we're fining you $1,500. He said, you're supposed to sweep up the hair on the floor after every every person that's in there. And I pointed to the bald guy that he was cutting. I said, even him? And he said, apparently that's what it is. He said, so they fined me for that. So I said, well, guess what? This guy's pretty militant, I would guess I would say. He went down, put a barber chair in front of her office window and started cutting hair on the Capitol lawn. <laughs> what a he said, I made, I made sure that, that it was in front of her window while I was cutting <laughs> hair down there. And then they, she uh, fined. And so I said, what, what became of the, the fines and stuff? He said, well, it's still in court. He says, it's still tied up. He says, but um, they're not going to get me for that. And he says, well, I'll fight it all the way. Says there is a thing called the Constitution. How has his business been? Did he said. You, I you... asked him that. I said. I said. Did your business falter? He said. Oh, I lost. He says I lost people from uh, the business because I wouldn't wear a mask mm-hmm. when I was cutting hair and stuff, and I gained a lot of people because they backed me on it. I said, Well, I'm one. I said because. You know, you've cut my hair. This is the second time. I'm right behind you all the way. And by the way, today, of all days, was his birthday because somebody called him. He had him on speaker, and the guy was saying, hey, happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> so I, I gave him a huge tip for being his 79th birthday. Wow. Stacy, what is your most terrifying, not literally like feared for your life, but just like I can't believe this is happening, COVID experience in the past 18 months? I'm like, yeah, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Well, first of all, the fact that it has been 18 months is wild. But I don't know. I think one of the biggest, like, hardest things, and I don't know if this is an answer to what you were saying, but I just, I don't really like how angry everybody has become. Mm. (laughs) Like, complete strangers. You're out in public. You know, fortunately, I haven't had like two awful of experiences but I have had people make comments to me more so earlier this year and last year but you know not being able to go to the outdoor farmers market because they force you to wear a mask and I wouldn't put it on until right as I entered the area where all of the tents were and people would give me nasty looks and make comments when I'm walking through the parking lot outside without a mask on and somebody and a woman yelled at me in a target once because we crossed paths in an aisle and I was not six feet away from her because we were walking past each other and did did you have a mask on then I did have a mask on in target so it's it's stuff like that that just blows my mind you know that people have become so amped about all of this that they think it's okay to be so blatantly rude to people and you know it's my way or the highway and it's just gotten so extreme it's like okay just because you don't want to get vaccinated or you're anti-mask or whatever you are like a murderer (laughs) 
<laughs> is basically what it has come down to. And um, that's that's hard for me to understand and and cope with. I don't know if it's going to be a long term, uh, like, I don't know about psychological, but if if this is something that five years from now people will write about and study and say mm-hmm. how it fundamentally changed things or I know CC we had this kind of discussion and, and he thought that would just sort of fade away and everyone would more or less go back to the way they were do you remember that G-man him saying something like that I do I do and I was I was uh, praying that that what his that what he said would probably happen and hasn't yet it's still raging the, the thing that really bothers me about that is that everything is contradictory to what they say. They'll tell you one thing and then they tell you the opposite to, you know, wear a mask, Mm -hmm. don't wear a mask, do this, do that. Six feet, you know, and a mask, six feet mask, vaccination, uh, plastic bubble around your body. That's what we're gonna get to with this kind of stuff. But the thing that bothers me most is is that they continually talk about people that are getting it. And I say to them, I want proof that these people that are quote unquote getting it or getting sick are are getting sick any more than they would with a normal flu virus. Mm-hmm. In other words, if it's a day or two and they throw up and they're done, okay. Th- that's what happens with every flu virus, no matter what. But if they're dying and they're on ventilators in hospitals and stuff, okay. That's one thing, but nobody ever says who really got sick from this virus. And I don't think a lot of people even know if they did get sick from the virus. Because the way they hide things, it is hard to get proof one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And it just, it seems like it falls on the backs of those trying to espouse common sense to somehow prove that this whole thing is just hoax oh we could get to banned for me saying that <laughs> when we first started we just sort of jokingly said but we're we're getting some uh, people listening so that's kind of fun and and we appreciate it very much absolutely um, this was just a scratching post for the three of us to begin with uh, just to talk about things so that we could talk to like-minded uh, people about things that drive us insane and yeah uh, and apparently um, it's it's worked fairly well. This is my therapy session, so yeah, for sure. Well, um, Stacy, have have any topics come to mind, or would you like some more questions? I don't really have any topics. I have been living in a little bit of denial for the last few weeks, oh, yeah? not paying attention to the news or being on social media. So I I don't actually know a ton about wow. what's currently going on is that sort of like dave rubin does where he takes a month of august yeah. off did you purposely <laughs> like consciously decide to do that and what was the circumstances yeah. surrounding it i decided shortly after everything blew up literally and figuratively in afghanistan i was very worked up about all of that and i realized it was it was taking a little bit too much of a toll on me okay. to be so tuned in to everything that's going on. So I had to, I had to back off for my my own sanity. Right, and how has that worked out? Pretty well, actually. I 
I didn't know if I was, you know, if it would be a weekend thing or a week and then I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to go back. But so far I'm, I'm very happy without it. Okay. How do you, that's a, that's an excellent topic because how do you strike a balance between being informed on mm -hmm. in, in the middle and being just, you know, not you, but people in general, just sitting around listening and watching and just getting, whether you're on the left or right or conspiracy mm -hmm. theories and being the people that they interview, you know, the man on the street things where they literally don't know who the vice president is or they don't <laughs> know, you know, how many states are in the union. How do you, uh, how depressing. do you think either, either one of you, how do you strike that balance? Personally? Yeah. It's like Stacy said, you take a break from uh, listening to the garbage because everything has, as she said, has been so amped up in the news. And, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say news in the commentary because <laughs> yeah. that's what everything is now on TV is a commentary on things. And, and I'm just, you know, there, you have to stop and you have to take a breath. And that means maybe, have you, Mo, in your lifetime of listening to, to the commentary news way back when, Mm -hmm. Have you ever come across what has been going on in the last two, three years with nothing being reported correctly? You, you don't even know if it's right or wrong when they're even talking about this stuff. I mean, everyone goes back to the Walter Cronkite days. And I don't think our family was like a 630. He was on in all the different, the three networks had their news on from 630 to 7. And when you watched it, it was like, okay, here's the news. It was a war in Vietnam or it was Nixon's impeachment. Or, but it was, at least it seemed at the time to be pretty much, here's what happened. But now, as you say, on, on both sides, the difference being that the left still denies what they're doing is that it's just, they just don't hide it anymore. And I don't know if that's been an evolution or, I mean, certainly Trump really accelerated it. I think when when the second Bush was in office, probably to some extent, but man, when it was just like the floodgates open and there was just no shame and no no stopping. I'm just calling him just every name in the book. And suddenly the presidency had no validity. It had no it was just crazy how that happened. Stacy, I know you probably have a few thoughts on that. Yeah, it's very upsetting. <laughs> Even growing up, like, I can remember our family talking about how the media was slanted toward the left. And for as long as I can remember, there was a certain element of that. But it certainly was exacerbated ever since Trump uh, pretty much announced he was running for president, not even just when he was in mm, office. And point. it's very disheartening because... You have some people that now question everything with good reason because, like you said earlier, you don't, especially with things like COVID, you don't know what you can actually trust. But then you have other people that are diehard CNN, MSNBC, and take them at their word for everything and don't ever bother to look at other sources or do their own research or, frankly, think for themselves. And that's really hard. And it's hard to see the younger generations as well just sort of be, 
I mean, for lack of a better word, brainwashed because it's it's everywhere. It's in the TV shows you watch. It's in commercials. It's on the radio. I mean, I even have like Pandora or something on in our event space at work. And every day when I'm down there, I hear advertisements about getting vaccinated oh, yeah. and stay home, stay safe type messaging. And it, it's just, it's inescapable. It's wild. Yeah. I, there's a, there's someone where I work who just can't wait till, well, I guess now that maybe they've approved it, can't wait to get her 11 year old vaccinated. That's going to be like Ugh. the happiest day. I can't understand that. G-Man, two cents or more. I, <laughs> I was talking to a lady today who I've known for, I don't know, 30 years and she has lupus and she's uh, I, I we were talking back and forth about it she's middle of the road and we can talk about things and i and i was saying you know you can't trust the numbers you don't know what they're you know they're contradicting themselves you don't know what's right or wrong uh, and and i said when is it going to end tell me when you think this is all going to end this insanity she said, probably when everyone gets vaccinated. And I said, guess what? Then it's never going to end. Because I guarantee you that there are less than 40% of the people in America that are vaccinated, that can get vaccinated. One of my things was, do you think there will be sort of a defining moment that breaks the camel's back and people go, oh my gosh, this was a total ruse? Or do you think they're just so invested in the fear and everything, as Stacy said, that gets reported on the left side that they just can't bring themselves to admit that, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. I think that's exactly what's going to happen down the road. With, I, I mean, they're coming out now and literally saying these people lied about the virus and what it does and, and the masks and Fauci is supposed to be in jail and he's not. I think they are going to, they're just going to have blinders on their whole life. They're going to say, well, I was safe at least. You know, even though I took my whole bottle of stupid pills, I was safe. <laughs> so how about this, Stacey, as a closing topic for this anyways, closing question. Do you think, do you see any silver lining coming out of this whole ugly incident? At least what I tell myself is that some, there is a decent number of people anyway that, have woken up and have realized the how deep the corruption is in our government and whether that looks like admitting oh Trump wasn't as bad as I thought he was especially after seeing what Biden has done to the country in less than a year or just in general being willing to ask questions and have discussions with people and like I said before kind of think for themselves versus going along with whatever they were told in college or whatever they see on CNN or Instagram or whatever. I mean there are movements of people I had heard of the walk away or something like that. Yeah. It was a group on Facebook people who are leaving the Democrat party. Right. Yeah. I've seen some of those YouTube videos, at least before the election. I haven't really watched them since, but, mm -hmm. and I think uh, the people on the other side were saying, Oh, they're just paid actors or it's not real, but of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about G man, any silver linings? I know you're an optimistic guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
You mean everybody you mean laughs? This is all done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there probably will be a huge silver lining in this because, like I say, the people that bought into this are going to feel so foolish that they're going to say, "Well, I protected myself, and that's what they told me to do. That's uh -huh. what's going to make me, you know, make my spine sweat." is when they say things like that. I don't know if there's going to be a, a real big silver lining, except for the fact that Trump will be coming back soon. So, You got any other burning issues, G-Man, in your pocket there? I, I, I'll do one thing. I was talking to this lady who happened to be a realtor for 43 years, and she retired recently. And, she, and I said, tell me, tell, I said, I have a podcast. Tell me something interesting about your line of work. <laughs> And she said, as of, as of just a short while ago, you can no longer say master bedroom or master bath. It is now a primary room. Well, yeah, that happened last year. Okay, well, last year. You knew that? Yeah, because it's racist. Yeah, and, and so I said to her, I said, what's racist about master? Is that from like the 1800s? Are we still living in the 1800s? Yeah. I mean, who is, who comes up with this crap? Who says, oh, master anything? These people are, really need to be committed. Really do. We I need state even, hospitals. When you make like a recording and you have the master recording, I wonder if they're going to have to change all that nomenclature too. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it's the main recording now. One of my favorite shows is Survivor, and the season premiere was last night after being off for basically a year and a half. And they've gone gone woke, unfortunately, and not just in the makeup of the cast, which <laughs> you can imagine is like beyond diverse and trans and all that. But when I don't know if you guys ever watch it, but <laughs> speaking Never. of guys, when <laughs> when they're doing a challenge, he goes, "Come on in, guys," meaning you know we're going to start the challenge and. He goes, you know, I've been thinking about it, and guys is kind of a sexist word. So what do you people think? And they all look at each other, and at first they said, oh, it's a, it's a tradition. It's part of the show. And he goes, sort of disappointed, okay. And then the next scene, like two days later, when they're coming into the challenge, someone who is, I don't know what his or her gender fluidity is, but goes, you know, Jeff, I thought about it, and it is kind of offensive. And so he just goes, oh, good. I'm glad you said that. We're going to change it. And just of like, course. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still enjoy it, but it, a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Any closing thoughts from uh, our special guest, who it's been a super pleasure to have on with us? Oh, thanks. It's been fun. Like I said, denial is a great place to be right now. <laughs> and I hope I hope what G-Man said about Trump turns out to be true. Wouldn't that be something? Well, we may have you back under certain circumstances, so please keep your calendar as open as possible. I know you're busy. <laughs> I will pencil you in. Excellent. G-Man, how about you? That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to say that until I do the close, but... Oh, I thought that was the close. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oops. Uh, That's no, all right. Yeah, no, Trump will be back. All right. That's my... well, 
with that, we will say goodbye. And we really do appreciate you listening and sharing and tuning in. Our numbers are slowly climbing. They're not up to Mount Rushmore. What did he call himself? Maharashi. Maharashi. Yeah. 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 They're not there yet, but we do appreciate <laughs> it. And we will be here next week on The Right Angle. That was easy.